bueno, bueno. That's how we check the mic in, in Mexico. We say bueno. Bueno, 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 uno, dos, tres. ¿Sí? ¿Me escuchan? Can you hear me? <laughs> All right. It is great to see you guys this morning. Um, I don't see the green guy. I guess I'm good to go, right? I'm good to go. All right. Um, anyways, it's awesome to be back. Uh, I feel like it was, we were here just the other day, and I guess I was. I mean, it was only like a, less than a month ago that we were here. And uh, we're back because I'm doing a wedding tomorrow for my niece, so I'm super excited about that. I get to officiate her wedding, and I'm, I'm excited to get to do that. So uh, that's why we made this trip back so quick. Uh, we were blessed so much by the men from this church and some of uh, a couple other guys that came with Mr. Hart over there. But uh, yeah, so anyways, it's awesome to be back anyways with, with uh, our church family here. Thank you all so much for supporting us. Thank you for those of you who made the drive up here to come, come visit us. Um, some of our supporters are here, and we're so thankful for that. They come from south part of Colorado, and so to drive up here for this morning, I know it's a bit of a drive, but thank you for taking the time to do that. It means a lot to me and to my family um, to have people here that are supporting us. And as you all know, as this church knows, like God has used this church in an instrumental way to allow our ministry to happen. And uh, what we do with the kids down there, I mean, we couldn't do it without you all and without those who are supporting us. So thank you. It's such a blessing. So anyways, it's an honor for me to get to talk about Acts chapter 3 this morning. And uh, so I know we've already prayed. I just want to ask the Lord to, to speak through me. So if you wouldn't mind, just join me in prayer quickly. Father God, you are good and your mercy endures forever. You are high above the heavens and the earth. There is no one like you. And we know that you're with us. You you are amazing that you can come down and be with us and fill the, the praises and the, and the gathering of your people. So we know that you're here with us in your spirit. And so thank you for that. Lead us in your word right now. Speak to us because only you can reveal your word to us. It's yours. And we just want to hear from you. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And amen. All right. Um, so Acts chapter three, I want to, I want to end, I want to start with the end of Acts chapter two because it's so important. I know that last week, I think it was Glenn, Pastor, Glenn uh, was speaking with Gus, close, G. Anyway, so Pastor Gus was speaking to you guys last time um, of Acts chapter 2. I want to end with that because it's important because it sets up, it helps us understand really what's happening in in Acts chapter 3. So let's go to Acts chapter 2, join with me. And and the way we're going to do it is I know last time they they played Acts, uh, allowed the reading of Acts at the beginning. I'm actually just going to read it as we go. Okay, so Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Let's start there. So if you have your Bibles open up there or use your phone, which is probably most of you. Um, And here we go. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together, and they held things in common. They sold their possessions and property. They distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to the meeting together in the temple and the breaking of bread from house to house. And they ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And every day the Lord added to their number those that were being saved. What a beautiful time in the church, right? What an amazing time in the church. It's just, it it blows my mind the stuff that was happening. But the reason why I bring that up is because as we go into chapter 3 here, there are some things, there were some things that they were doing that were common for them at this time in the church. So that helps us understand at the beginning of Acts chapter 3 what we see happen with Peter and John. Okay, so let's go to Acts chapter 3 now, uh, verse 1, and we'll start. 
Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple for the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Okay, let's stop there. And so we just read chapter two. It was common every week, almost every, actually every day, they were meeting together in the temple, the temple where all the other Jews were that were worshiping God, the believers, the followers of Christ were in the temple, right? And, and I don't know about you, but like for me, that kind of like, it blew my mind just a little bit. I always kind of thought these guys were like, you're not allowed in the temple anymore. You you follow Christ and he's a, you know, they believed he was a blasphemer and they killed him. So they were, I kind of thought that the believers would not be meeting there. And, I'm, and it, so it kind of surprised me that they were actually meeting in the temple every day. Why would they do that, Right? Well, there's a few reasons. One, they're still Jews, right? Peter, John, all the apostles, all these guys, they were Jewish guys, okay? So for them, going to the temple made a lot of sense, right? Number one. Number two, the temple, I think, had this much greater meaning to them now. I mean, they saw Christ, you know, crucified, resurrected again, and now the temple to them, I think, just made a lot more sense, okay? Even more so than, than the Jews that were present. Here's the other thing. Um, as far as like their traditions, I think that, that John and, and Peter and all the apostles, they continued in a lot of their Jewish customs, their, their prayers, their, their, their celebrating certain uh, festivals and holidays. I mean, they, guys, they were still Jewish, so it made sense that they were in the temple, okay, uh, going up there for prayer. So let's read the next verse, chapter, I mean, next verse, 3 2. A man who was lame from birth was being carried there. He was placed each day by the, at the temple gate called Beautiful so that he could beg from those who were entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked for money. Okay. Um, he was placed there every day. In chapter 4, when, when, when Pastor Gary teaches next week, you'll see that this man that was healed, he was over 40 years old. He was lame from the time he was born, and he was 40 years old by the time he was healed. That means he was placed at that gate begging a lot. Every day he was there. There's a, that means a few different things to me. Number one, Jesus would have passed by him many times, and he was never healed. Okay? This gate called Beautiful, I did a little research into it. It was like 75 feet tall. Okay? It was adorned with gold and brass. It was like 60 feet wide. I just picture that. Picture a door that is 75 feet tall. That blows my mind. Well, how tall is this building? Like, what is that, 30 feet or less, 20 feet? Something like that? So I can, I'm picturing a door four, three times as tall as what this ceiling is. 60 feet wide. This beautiful gate. It was called a gate called Beautiful. No wonder it was called Beautiful and Impressive. And they put him right there at this gate. Why? Because thousands of people would be going into the temple every day, man. He had this constant stream of donors coming in, and he was in the right place. But Jesus passed by him, and you know what else that means? If the apostles were meeting in the, in the temple every day, they passed by him every day. Why not heal him until this point? Why did the healing of this man take until now? And I think it's because God has a specific reason for healing people, and he does it at the right time when he sees it's right for a specific purpose, and we can't forget that. It's going to be important as we keep going. Let's look at verse 4. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, look at us. So he turned, expecting to get something from them. So this guy who's sitting at the gate every day, thousands of people walking by, how many people do you think actually stopped and never spoke to this man? I'm guessing zero. 
Like, how many of you stop and speak to the guys that are begging on the street corners? Or when you're walking downtown, right? We, I think these guys get used to people just blowing right by them. So when someone says, hey, look at me. I mean, this guy would have been caught by surprise, and he was expecting something. Why else would they be saying, hey, look at me? So he's thinking, oh, man, this is, they're not just going to put a little bit of money in my... I mean, if they, if they were just going to give me something, they would just dropped it in the little bowl or cup, whatever he had, and just walked in and done their prayer, right? Did their, their religious duty for the day. Here you go, here's some money, and I'm going to go pray because I'm right with the Lord, right? All right, so, um, but Peter, verse 6, let's keep going. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give you. Now, here's a guy who's sitting there waiting for money from people. Somebody says, hey, look at me. And he's thinking, oh, I'm going to get something. This guy's going to be something. And the first thing that comes out of Peter's mouth is, I don't have any money. Hey, look at me. I don't have any money to give you. And, and I don't know, but I'm thinking it might have like, thrown him for a little bit of a loop there. You know what I'm saying? Okay. I don't know. He, I guess I'm sitting there thinking, <laughs> this guy is thinking, I have one way to live here, buddy. I need money because I can't work, because I can't walk, I can't do anything. So if you don't have money to give me, I'm not sure I'm interested in what you got. You know what I'm saying? But then verse 6, Peter goes on to say, In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Then taking him by the right hand, he raised him up. And at once, his feet and ankles became strong. This is crazy. Now, in, in Peter and John's mind, I don't think this would have been such a, a crazy idea to do. This wasn't like totally random for Peter and John to do. We just read at the end of Acts chapter 2 that miracles were happening every day. There were healings happening all the time. People were getting saved. God was doing this amazing stuff. We just read that at the end of Acts chapter 2. So it wasn't a strange thing for Peter to be like, hey, let's, I'm going to heal this guy. Get up and walk, right? I'm going to say it to this man. That wouldn't have been a surprise to Peter and John. But it was definitely a surprise to this guy. Because here's my thought on this. He received something that he did not, could not expect. He had been asking for money his whole life. And so when Peter and John were like, I don't have any money, I'm sure it just kind of actually might have bothered him for a second. But then he got something he couldn't even imagine. He didn't even think of asking for He never asked people, hey, can you help me get up and walk? That was never a thought that came into his head that maybe I'll ask for this, right? And that kind of makes me stop and think for a second. What are we asking for in our own life? Right? Like, are we only asking for things we understand? Because I think that's how we are as humans. Like, I ask for God for stuff that I think I need. I think I need this, so I ask God for that. But maybe God has something else in mind, right? Maybe he has something totally unexpected that we can't even imagine because it doesn't even, that, that idea doesn't even make sense to us. And this man sitting there begging for years and years and years never thought that someone would come along and be like, get up and walk. What an amazing gift and totally unexpected and instantaneous. <laughs> That's amazing. So what are some of the miraculous things that we could maybe ask for? What is something that, that we're not maybe thinking God can heal? Maybe it's our soul. Maybe it's our heart. Maybe it's our mind. I don't know. But maybe we need to ask for God for a little bit bigger things than what we're doing right now. Right? And I'm not talking about just earthly stuff. Because I think, we, guys, we get caught up in wanting earthly comfort. 
God, I don't feel good. Heal me of this. God, I don't have enough money to make this payment. Give me, please give me enough money to do that. We as missionaries, Lord, we need money to do this ministry. Please, can you do this? And we get caught up in that. There's nothing, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with asking for, God tells us to ask. God says, ask. If you have need, ask. But are we asking for big enough things? Like, God, change who I am. Change my entire thought process. Change what I believe. Change what I believe about you. Change the faith. Give me more faith. I go, we're asking for those things, right? Anyways, let's go on to verse 8. So he jumped up and started to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened to him. All right. So why did God wait to heal this man to right there? And I think we have the answer right there. This man instantaneously became a witness of the power of God to everyone who was in that temple at that time. Who were those people? I don't know. God knows. God knows which ones needed to be here, see that miracle right then. But I want to take a minute and talk about the gift of healing and miraculous powers and things that we see happening. Because just like, uh, I don't know about you guys, but when, we, when I read what happens in the scripture, sometimes it doesn't quite match what I see happening in the church right now. Like, I, like, I don't know about you guys, but I've never seen somebody's legs go from shriveled up little things that have never been used to instantaneously becoming strong legs with muscle and bone and ligaments and all the things that you need in order to walk, not to mention whatever happened in the dude's head to make him be able to have balance, right? You ever seen a baby try to learn how to walk? Okay, it doesn't happen instantaneously, does it? Right? Little steps. Little steps. I remember trying to send my own kids. I'm here, Betty's there, and we kind of send them along, and they wobble their way across until you grab them, and then you try it again and again and again. Find me. This guy jumped up and started dancing and leaping and praising God. So God did this, what's called a creative miracle. He created right there. He created. He didn't just restore. He actually made new things inside of this man. There was no muscle. He made muscle. Boom. Right? I bet he had nice calf muscles at the end of that. I don't know. I was thinking but they were awesome. Cut, chiseled, right? But here's here's the thing. I don't see that. I've never seen that. I've seen God do miraculous things. I'm not gonna lie. I've seen God heal my wife when she was very ill and it was an an amazing, miraculous healing. But, but, But I've never seen somebody's legs come back or somebody who was blind instantly becoming, being able to see, or someone who was deaf now can hear. I've, I've never seen that. So I don't know about you guys, but it has to make you stop for a second and think, well, what's, what's the difference? What's going on? Do we not have the faith? Did they have more faith back then than we have now? Is that the difference? You know? And I just don't believe that. I can't believe that. Because I know men of great faith. I've met some people of amazing faith, and I've never seen this. So what do we know about healings and miracles? Well, here's one thing we do know. The Bible teaches us that God used healings and miracles to reach usually unbelievers, especially in cultures and times where you need to show the authority that you have, that you come from God. And at this time, guys, there was some crazy stuff going on in the world, and to say that you came from God you needed something to show that you were speaking the truth. Not to mention the church was just getting started. 
This is the beginning. And God is establishing his church right here. So he gave the apostles some incredible powers, not for their sake, not for even the believers who are with their sake. It was for the unbelievers who were just learning about this, this thing called God, this one called God, as opposed to all the other gods that they believed in. They believed in, oh my gosh, if you ever want to take time to study the Roman gods or the Greek gods and find out how many gods they believed in, right? They needed evidence that they were from God. Jesus showed evidence that he was from God. By, in fact, John's apostles go to Jesus and say, hey, how do we know that you're the one? He says, the blind see, the deaf hear. I mean, that's what he says these things to say, you want evidence I'm from God? Look at the miracles, okay? So, move forward. We see in even Paul's ministry and the apostles' ministry that these healings, these amazing, miraculous wonders, they go like, they get, they get less and less and less and less until you get to the end of Paul's ministry. And there's three cases where these guys that were friends with Paul were sick and ill, and he didn't heal any of them. Okay, I'll give you three examples. Epaphroditus is one. Timothy is another. And a guy named Trophimus is another. Those three guys were ill, almost to the point of death. Well, not Timothy as much, but Epaphroditus was going to die. And Paul said, I can't, I can't do anything for him. I just, he prayed for mercy. And it said, and God had mercy on him and he didn't die, thankfully, because it would have destroyed me is what kind of what Paul was saying. It would have been too much for me to handle. But why didn't Paul just heal him the way he healed all these other people, right? Because God uses healings for a specific purpose. And the whole reason why I bring this up is because what I don't want us to do as a church is I don't want us to start doubting that, that God is with us or that our faith isn't strong enough or that God doesn't love us the way he loved this church. It's just not true because I think God's done something even greater, even greater than raising the dead, than then healing somebody who didn't have legs and then, then healing somebody who's blind, God does something even greater. And you know what that is? You know what I think it is now? I think it's God changing the hearts and minds of the people because that creates lasting impact. Like you could be healed, like your legs could be healed, that's fine. And then you could go on sinning if you wanted to. And you see it actually in scripture where God does these amazing things for the Jews, for others, and they see it and they're like, okay, that's great. And they go right back to their lives, forgetting even, right? But when God changes the hearts and minds of the people and he gives us what's called love, godly love for each other, that to me is a greater miracle than healing somebody's legs. When you can love somebody with the love of God, because that's amazing. And that changes the world. That makes the body of Christ become what Jesus said. He says, people will know you're my disciples by your love, not by your miraculous healing powers. Like, great. Healing powers are great for unbelievers here and there to kind of like spark interest. But what changes? What changes? An unbe- what brings somebody into the fold and makes somebody feel like, this is where I belong. I need a saving God. It's love. And I think it's something that we as a church need to pursue all the time. We need to pursue it with everything that's in us. We need to be like, I want that power of love in me to be able to love people sincerely with the love of God. Stop trying to look for these things that are just kind of fun and exciting and like, oh yeah, let's, let's, I want to go, you know, heal all these people. Great. But, but let's love. Let's ask God for that gift. Because man, that's something that changes lives forever, not just for a moment, 
for eternity. And then we shine like light in the darkness. That's what we're called to do. Shine like light in the darkness. Amen? All right. Verse 11. Let's keep going. While he was holding on to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astonished, ran toward them in what is called Solomon's colonnade. When Peter saw this, he addressed the people, fellow Israelites, why are you amazed at this? It's kind of a funny question, but um, it's like, dude, because we saw him, he couldn't walk, and now he walks. I'm amazed. All right. Why do you stare at us as though, now this is why he said that, though. Why do you stare at us as though we had made him walk by our own power or godliness? Okay. I, I see pastors and preachers, especially particularly those who ha- claim to have healing powers and do all these things. One of the things that I see common among them is they promote themselves quite a bit. Quite a bit. In fact, I heard one preacher say, if you're lucky, I will come and visit you and bring this gift to you. If you're lucky, I will come and visit. What are you talking about? Who are you? Right? No, no. God. So, guys, this is important because listen to how people speak. If they ever promote themselves, if they're ever like, I did this, I can do this, I'm amazing, you need to run the other direction as fast as you can. Do not follow that person. Don't follow that leader. A good leader will do exactly what Peter did right here, exactly what Paul does later with Barnabas when they, when they is it Barnabas or Silas? I think it was Barnabas. When they go and they go do a healing and people go to them and start calling them gods, what do they do? They say, don't look at us. Like, like we're the ones that can do this. Okay? It's not by our own godliness or power. That's an important statement, actually, by the way, referring back to the, the uh, miracles. If you think that you're not seeing, like, miracles in your life because you're not godly enough, he answers that right here. It's not by our own godliness that this is happening. It's specifically by God's purpose that it's happening. And if it doesn't happen, that's specifically by God's purpose that it's not happening, right? So before you start doubting your own self, like, I just, I don't know, maybe I just don't love God enough. That's why I'm not being healed. That's why this person's not being healed. That's why I can't, you know, pray for these people who are sick and they're not, it's because I'm not godly enough. That's not at all the way it works. It's does God have a purpose for that person to be healed? Then they'll be healed. If he doesn't, then they're not. That's okay. Can we accept that? Are you willing to accept it? Are you willing to accept whatever God's plan is, whether somebody is sick or whether they get healed, can you accept it? That goes back to that sermon I gave long, I think early in the month, which is, is God's grace sufficient for you? Are you okay with it? Or do you need more than God's grace? Do you need proof that God's going to heal and God's going to do this? Is that what you need? Because we have to be careful with that because Jesus says only a wicked and perverse generation seek for these signs, Right? We got to be careful with that. That's all I'm saying. A true leader in the faith will always point to the Lord Jesus. If he's ever pointing to himself, guys, that's not a leader you want to follow. Okay? All right, verse 13. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and denied for, uh, before Pilate, though he had decided to release him. You denied the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer released to you. You killed the source of life whom God raised from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in his name, his name has made this man strong, whom you now uh, see and know. So the faith comes through Jesus, has given him this perfect health in front of you all. 
And now, brothers and sisters, I know that you acted in ignorance, just as your leaders did. In this way, God fulfilled what he predicted through all the prophets that his Messiah would suffer. What a bold preaching right there. Like, to call people out and say, listen, I know you're ignorant. I get it. You know, we all are. You screwed up. You killed the source of life. Man, that just blows my mind. I... I think we as preachers, speaking to my brother Gary and anybody else in here who's, who shares the word of God, we need to speak it boldly in truth. Because truth is something that's lacking in our world today. Everyone's afraid to just speak truth because you speak truth and all of a sudden everybody hates you. Well, I don't, do you think Peter knew how people were going to react by him saying you killed the source of life? You, you're ignorant, you and your leaders? They had no idea what was going to happen. He just knew he had to say it. God is the one that convicts people, not us. God's spirit is the one that convicts people and brings people to life, not us. So if we think we're going to talk somebody into believing in Jesus through our great arguments and how witty we are and our cool examples of this and that, we are so far off. Only the spirit of God can speak to somebody and draw them. Our job is to speak truth. Let God draw people. Period. Okay? And I say that, though, knowing that Peter also did this in love. Okay? He wasn't... There's two ways to look at the way he spoke. Kind of like when you get a text message from somebody. You can't really hear what they're saying, right? You just read it. We, we weren't there to see the way Peter said this. I don't know if he was, like, angry or if he was just like, I'm just telling you the truth. You killed, you killed the source of life. Or you killed the source of life. I don't know. <laughs> Right? But I, I'm just saying, when I read a text message, sometimes I'm like, is this person mad at me? Or are they, are they, I don't know. We were listening to this comedian who says, did they put a period at the end of the sentence? Because that, that hurts a little bit if someone puts a period. It's like, it's like do you want to go to dinner? And they say no. And it's like, but if you put a period at the end of that no, you're like, hey, that period is a little uncalled for. Right? That, that's a little <laughs> too much. Like, I get saying no, but you don't, did you really need to say period? Like, come on. So it's like, it's like we read something. We don't know how somebody is saying something. But I don't know how Peter said this, but I know that Peter loved people. He did. He wanted them to come to a saving knowledge. So my picture is he's almost like pleading with them. I think Jesus pled, you know, was always pleading with people like, please, I've wanted to gather you up as a, as a mother hen gathers up her chicks. I've wanted this. I can imagine him pleading with them. And I can picture Peter pleading with them like, come on, guys. Stop getting so angry that this man was healed. Like, what do you, like, let's just accept it and, and rejoice with God. And it's because, you know, we acted in ignorance. But hey, you know what? We're getting a second chance here. It's because look what he says, verse 19. You guys ready? Go to verse 19. Therefore, repent and turn back so that your sins might be wiped out, that a season of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send Jesus, who has been appointed for you as the Messiah. That shows the heart of Peter right there. He wanted time of refreshing for people. Because when you're outside of God, you, you guys, it is not a time of refreshing. It might be like party time and you think it's fun, but it's so destructive and it hurts. And all that's left afterwards is regret and pain. And man, God wants to give you refreshing and that's only found in Christ. So if you think you can find it like living somewhat in the world and somewhat with Christ, I'm telling you, that's not refreshing. You're just getting little droplets of water instead of the, this, this river of life that could come to you if you would just give up and give your life to Christ completely. 
And that's what Paul, that's what Peter's saying here. So he had to call it out like it is. If someone calls out your sin and you get angry about that and you get all defensive, man, you need to change that attitude. You need to start being able to say, man, I want that refreshing from God. And yes, I have sin. I need to repent. Stop pushing back against somebody who loves you when they're like, listen, I see this in your life. Please stop. Because they, they want what's best. They want this for you. Just like Peter wanted this for the people. Refreshing. New life. Hope. Joy. People gathered together just like he, you saw in Acts, where people were just amazed by what God was doing. That's what he wants. But he had to break through their religiosity. He had to. So he had to speak these words to kind of break up that religious spirit that they had blinding them. Verse 21. Heaven must receive him until the time of restoration of all things, which God spoke about through his holy prophets from the beginning. Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers. You listen to everything he tells, and everyone who does not listen to that prophet will completely uh, cut off from the people. In addition, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and to those after him have also foretold these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your ancestors, saying to Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed through your offspring. God raised up his servant and sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your evil ways. And that's that's the end of, of chapter three. But guys, you know what Peter was doing there? He was reminding them of the promise. That's what he was doing. He, prom- he was reminding the, the, his brothers and sisters of the promise of God concerning their calling, right? There were, these were words that they had heard over and over again, I'm sure, and they'd seen it and they had heard it preached by, by whatever rabbi was teaching or whatever priest was speaking. But when they saw this man healed, when God used this, this man to be healed in front of all of them, and they knew him, if he's been there for 40 years, they knew this guy. They knew him well. And the fact that he's up and walking and leaping and praising God, now the promises that Peter is talking about they click, they make sense. And they're like, oh, that's, this is this, wait a minute, we killed that, the, that guy, Jesus, that said he was the Messiah. And now this guy is being healed because of the one that we killed. There must be something there. There must be power there or else how would this be happening? Like when Jesus was on earth and it was happening, they might've thought, okay, well, I don't know what they thought, honestly, but maybe they thought it was like a trick or something else. I don't know. But now that it's happening after he's dead, and now his disciples who followed him are doing the exact same thing, that's a new revelation to these people. And they were touched by it. As we see, there were times where after Peter would preach, 3,000 would would join their number, and 5,000 would join their number. It was just amazing. So I say that, guys, because I want us to take a minute as well and think about the hopes and, and the promises that God has made out of all this that we just read in this chapter you know, think back to your life for a second. Think back to things that you're hoping for. And, and have you, can you, can you believe for God to do something bigger than what, or different than what you could even imagine? Do you believe the promises that he made a long time ago to each of us, to his people, to his body of Christ? I don't know. I think I have a lot to grow in that. And when I see what's going on in the book of Acts, I'm like, I have a long ways to go in my own faith. But I have to ask myself, Am I asking God for the wrong things? Am I asking just for the money, whatever that might represent in my life? Or does God actually want me to walk? Does God want to heal me? 
to the point where I can get up and walk and I need to let go of this little thing that I've been focused on that I thought I needed my whole life. He's like, no, no, I got something even bigger, even more amazing. Amen? Let's pray. Let's pray. Father God, you are so good. And we see it over and over again in Scripture, how good you are and how loving you are. But we also see that you are a God of truth. Only you give us the source of truth, Lord. Only you. You are the source of truth and the source of love. Forgive us forever for looking for it somewhere else, in something else, or in someone else. Your word is life. And thank you so much for the faithful brothers and sisters that came before us to show us, for Peter, for John, for the other apostles who were willing to give up everything and follow you, to give us an example of what it looks like to be followers of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I ask, Lord, that you give each of us, sitting in this room right now, and those of us listening online, that you would give us the faith that those brothers had and sisters. That you would give us the love that they had, the boldness to speak on your, uh, your truth to the world. Fill us with that and fill us with your spirit, Lord. Anoint us to believe in things that we can't even imagine right now. Because you are a God of miracles. You're a God who does amazing things. But all according to your purposes and your plan. And help us to accept that. But thank you, Lord. We love you. And uh, yeah, amen in your name, Jesus.